All right. Thank you very much for coming, everybody. It's great to have you here. So, beginning tonight's event is going to be Jeff Staple from Staple Design. He'll be moderating. Give him a big round of applause. What's up, everyone? Sorry for the delay. LA traffic is murder. We're not used to it. Um, without further ado, I'm just going to bring out RZA really quick because I definitely want to leave time for a proper Q&A from you guys. So, uh... Riza, you want to come on now? Everyone give a big round of applause for Riza. One, two, one, two. So actually, I first met the RZA a couple of years back when um, my creative agency, Staple Design, we were working with Timberland Boots. Uh, and we were doing a project called the Burroughs Project, where we were designing a boot for each borough of, of New York City. So when they said, who should we do for Staten Island? I was like, yo, we got to do the RZA. And they were like, who is RZA? <laughs> so I had to school them on who the RZA was. And next slide, if we could show the boots that we did. When I first met with RZA on this project, he said... His brief to me was, I want to look like I'm floating when I'm performing live. And I was like, damn, that's, that's kind of hard. But we developed a system where we did a glow-in-the-dark sole, and then we made the actual boot upper match. He said, I always wear black denim when I, when I perform. So we did the upper as black denim. We did the sole as glow-in-the-dark, so that when he's on stage, all you see is like a glow underneath him. And then we did the Timberland logo that went into the, the Wu-Tang logo. It was pretty dope. So that was, that was my first experience meeting the RZA, and it was an incredible working experience. Um, Those Wu-Tang colors, black and yellow, y'all. Yep. <laughs> Killer bees. <laughs> so, um, that was actually the first time where I realized that RZA was definitely onto something beyond just the music. It was like RZA 2.0, if you will. You know, he was already getting into all these other films, uh, TV projects that you know about now, so, you know, outside of the hip-hop crowd, you know, so right now you got a film going on with G.I. Joe 2, right? Yeah, yeah, we have um, seen as the Blind Master and G.I. Joe 2. That's Very yeah. proud of that, very proud of that. Because that, the Blind Master is like the ninja of all ninjas, isn't it? Yeah, um, he's the teacher of uh, Storm Shadow, right. and um, he was in a comic book, but never appeared on a TV series. Uh -huh. So I'm actually the first face of this character. And uh, Hasbro came in and took pictures. They're going to make a RZA toy or a Blind Master toy with this crazy makeup. That's crazy. But uh, that was a good experience. That's you know? crazy. Um, and then if you guys watch TV, Californication, obviously you know that the RZA's on that as well. So you got a TV. For you sex fiends. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're scoring films now, of course, for Jim Jarmusch, Quentin Tarantino. Um, so you've gone from behind the sort of mixing board to the to the musical scores for movies. Yeah, I mean, scoring movies was like a natural progression for me. Being a kid that um, that was into music as a DJ first and discovering all different styles of music, and then finally figuring out music theory, um, I realized how to make progressions and how to make music go beyond the four bar loop of a hip hop sound. Right. And that led me to uh, start scoring and composing films. And it was actually a great thing because uh, when you work in hip-hop music, you get maybe a band to help out or maybe 10 people the most. 
But when you score in a Hollywood film, we had about an 80 piece orchestra all working for my sound. And, right. Uh, that was a big, uh, big achievement. That must have been a huge learning curve, too, going from just a studio to an orchestra. Yeah, I mean, when I was uh, doing it, I remember uh, I think Paul Brusek was one of the one of the executives from our New Line Cinema, and he was like, uh, he was talking about Bobby White and all the Philadelphia sound, and they used a lot of strings in their music. And I was like, I want mine to be like Bobby White. And he looked around, he's like, trust me, Bobby White never had an orchestra this big, kid. We're doing good, <laughs> right, right? So that was cool, yo. Um, and now you're getting in the product design as well. So you just did a headphone series with WeSC. Yeah, Chambers. And that was, a, of course, the Chambers headphones are a trend. I mean, the headphones are a trend that's happening right now. Everybody, you know, making headphones and trying to find a way to get this music that we're getting kind of compressed through digital and through MP3s and get it to the listener's ear in a better form. Right. And um, one of my favorite producers of all times, of course, is Dr. Dre. He's one of the guys that took... Uh, hip-hop music and made it sonically just sound bigger, you know what I mean? And I bought a pair of the beat by Dre's to support him. Yeah. And I took him home and I dug him, I threw him inside my, you know, my um, beat machine. I made a few beats, felt good. And I put him down, went and made a sandwich, came back a few hours later, my batteries was dead. Yeah. And when the batteries went dead, the headphone didn't work anymore. Right. And so after paying 300 bucks for the headphones, and then depending on a $5 battery, I was like, yo, man, I was kind of a little ticked off. The math don't add up. It didn't add up. <laughs> so when I had a chance um, to design my own headphones, um, the WSC people came to me and said, yo, you know, you could make your own. And you could make it fit your ears, your sound. And I was like, you know what? They got some good headphones out there, but I'm going to try to make a better one. And I think that the Chambers, not bragging, but I think the Chambers headphones are the best one for the hip-hop generation because with my headphones... You could plug in to anybody. In other words, you could have a pair of headphones on and your girl could plug in her earbuds and your buddy could plug in. And we all could listen to the same music at one time. And oh, okay. that was something I thought I'd bring to the game. Oh, that's dope. Um, and you're directing now too, right? Oh. The man with the iron fist. Yeah, I'm a, yeah thank you, thank you. Tell thank us you. about that. But I'm not going to talk too much about that right now, kid. I'm, a, um, I'm, in, I'm in the mix process. So let me get that one finished. All right. Uh, what I will say about, about directing is uh, it's been the hardest job that I ever took on in my life. Word. Um, it's like running a small country. <laughs> it's not made for the meek or the weak. And uh, it's, um, I actually got a lot of gray hairs doing it, yo. So. <laughs> but it's also been the most fulfilling job. You know, I know a lot of us, we, we, you know, most of us come and get Apple products because Apple actually have the ability to take our ideas into reality. Mm -hmm. When we first started making like um, beats and you know we needed Pro Tools, we had you know that was an Apple type program that ran ran Pro Tools for us. Um, all the artwork we did on our old album covers, it was all done through the Mac system. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and and as you go nowadays, though, you know what I mean, and you want to try to bring these ideas to reality, it takes a lot of power, a lot of people, and so from seeing. Um, this idea that was a piece of paper or, or a script and see it brought to a full, a full vision has been the greatest, uh, you know, the greatest reward for me so far. So you're telling me making a film is harder than running the Wu-Tang Clan? Yeah. No way. <laughs> hey, but I would say this to you, I say this to you, Jeff. If I didn't work with Wu-Tang Clan, I wouldn't know how to direct the film. Okay. Having that many personalities and that much uh, trauma and drama I went through, <laughs> 
it helped me deal with big actors and big egos and also deal with, like I said, uh, 400 people at one point was all waiting yeah. for me to get a command. You right, know what I mean? right. So it was real. So with all these things you do, you must be someone who gets bored really easily. Uh, do you? I mean, you're doing so well, many things. It's it ain't like that I get bored, yo. It's like, yo, G, to be honest with you, you know, and I had to kind of go into the, use this as a cliche, but I picked up the Steve Jobs book uh, this weekend, yeah. uh, last weekend, and um, it's like, yo, you, you know, we only have one life, really, one physical life on this world. Right. And the idea to leave your a footprint as big as you can or to leave your mark, you know what I mean? I think every man wants to do it. Our, our genes, your genetic, wants to reproduce itself. Mm -hmm. uh, me as a man, I realized that, yo, I want to express myself through any medium that I can consciously do it in. And once I realized that art was a wavelength, it's not just a talent, it's also a wavelength. Yeah. And I was like, yo, I could take this wavelength and ride it any direction I want, as long as I'm focused and have intelligence. Right. So I don't get bored, I'm just constantly looking for more ways to express myself, you know word, what I mean? Word. And that's what I'm doing. So, and, word, definitely. And then to add to, add to that resume list, now we can add app developer too. So we just we yeah. you just launched an app called Rizza's World, right? Yeah, the Rizza World app. So tell us how this came to fruition. Well, um, some buddies was talking to me about um, making what I would call an electronic footprint. Now, being um, you know part of the Wu Tang and being a guy that's developing it to his own, you know, you want to have a way to communicate with your fans and stay in tune with them. Um, when Charisma came to me, it was like, well, we could give you an application that could embody you, your music, your personality, uh, information about you, the type of games you like, just a whole Rizzo world all embodied into one location that fans or people could just go there and have a total access to you. Right. And I was a very, very private guy. You know, I just started tweeting on this last tour as far as getting seriously about tweeting and things, but, but I felt that I should have something, some kind of outlet to the rest of the world, you know what I mean, who yeah. are, who's looking to be connected with me. And this Rizzo World app is my step into that endeavor and my step into that world, mm -hmm. or step into that arena. Right. But, uh, bong, bong, here it is. <laughs> are you a fan of the iPad? Yeah, definitely. I got an iPad 1 and an iPad 2, you know what I mean? <laughs> Do you consider yourself a tech geek? Yeah, I got to say that, yo. <laughs> I honestly will sit here and admit to being an electronic geek, a tech geek, uh, a lot of my money been spent on <laughs> equipment. Gadgets. You know? yeah, gad I got gadgets off the booty, dude. You know? So let me, can we get the iPad and then we're going we're gonna to show you some stuff. Thank you. All right, so let's see if this works. All right. Um, I'm going to start with uh, the soundtrack to your life section. So what's this, what's this section all about? Tell me. But well, the soundtrack to your life is different musics and different ideas. To, um, like if you have a question about something that you're pondering on, I wrote a book called The Tao of Wu where right. I went into you know, wisdom and information. And the soundtrack to your life is me giving you a chance to choose some music, choose some questions and some ideas, and just you know, figure it out, yo. Right. Actually, I wanted to talk about the book. How, what was the process like in writing that book? Uh, which one? The Tao of Wu? Yeah, The Tao of Wu. It took about two years to write that book. Really? And uh, 
I finished it when I was in Cairns at a, a film festival. I guess Quentin Tarantino had a glorious bastards there, and all my buddies went out there to party. And I went out there and sat up under the sun and finished up my ideas and shared them with the world. You know okay. So let me see some of these here. Will sound play out of this? Let's give one. Let's, let's choose one. Okay. Let's, okay, let's say... Okay, here's one that says, Becoming a parent. So, <laughs> a lot of young people are definitely having sex. You know what I mean? And sometimes you may become a parent unexpectedly or expectedly, and you might not have nobody to talk to and get some advice about what to do about that. And I will hit you with something like this. And you know, the joy of life is bringing forth another life. If you're about to be a parent, please rest assured that this is the key to eternity. It's through our seeds and our children that we all live this eternity. The gene lives on. I never forget my firstborn child as I watched him exit the womb of his mother. Yeah, <laughs> and see the miracle of life happen right before my very eyes. The inspiration they gave me was enough to change my life and form a production company. All right. And eventually. Let's see money. I want to see money. Yeah. No, no, no. Save some. You got to save some. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's the, right. The, the idea that um, <laughs> is, you know, just to give you some inspiration from a living experience. Sometimes we don't get a living example. Um, and I honestly do believe that through our children, we reach eternity. You know, a lot of us may have different beliefs about how you're going to live forever. Have a baby. Your gene will be there and it'll pass on, yo. <laughs> have a baby. That's what you should get out of this. <laughs> Yeah, so I want to, speaking of like life lessons, I wanted to talk a little about this concept of failure because they say that people who are the most successful are those that failed the best. And when you were young, I know you put out an album and um, you put an album on Tommy Boy, right, an EP, and then it didn't perform so well. And at that time, you were incarcerated. So to many, that's like hitting rock bottom, you know, really, really hitting rock bottom. And a lot of people would have given up right then and there. What, what did you have that like, was able to let you pick yourself back up and start from nothing and then get to where you are today? Well, like you said, once you reach the bottom, there's nowhere to go but up. And for me, it wasn't, um, it was two things that had happened to my life. One, I was forced to do something that I didn't want to do, be what I didn't want to be. And sometimes to get a job or to get money or to get ahead in life, we may compromise ourselves for somebody else beckoning. And so the image that the record company wanted to display of me wasn't my image. And that was, to me, that's the reason why I fell, because I was trying to sell something instead of be myself. When you, when you be yourself, people want to gravitate to you regardless. Right. And then the second thing was growing up in the hood and being in, in a desperate situation led to desperate means and measures. And that, of course, leads to nothing but trouble. Mm -hmm. And so I found myself locked behind the steel bars. You know what I mean? Yeah. And at the same time, this all happened, I got a girl pregnant, <laughs> you know? So I got a baby on the way, and life was just looking real stupid for the kid. Hell yeah. And so, when I, you know, when I made it through the hell of that, tr of that trouble, I realized that I gotta zigzag. I gotta change my direction and change my energy. And what I actually started doing, and I would manifest it, I started doing nothing but positive things. Mm. You know, all that negativity, it didn't pay off, you know. Once I start going positive, I multiply myself by 10. Yeah. 
and within a year and a half of being positive, and I got to be honest with you, it didn't take no more than a year and a half, I went from being poverty-stricken, hungry, to a millionaire. In a year and a half? In a year and a half. Wow. That's dope. Of positivity, of course. I did 20 years of negativity. He did nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Can we go back to the app? Oh, yeah, yeah. So let's go to the what's news section. Okay. Well, what's news section, this is the best section of the app, actually. Uh-huh. Because this is what we call an e-zine. And what this does is when you get this application, and like I said, I hate I'm not trying to sell nothing, but I know that, you know, just by looking on Facebook and Twitter, many people always try to get at me and get information and get questions. Right. This is going to be my footprint and two questions to my world. It's the portal to me. It's going to continue to grow. Usually when you buy an app, you know, you get what you get and that's that. Our idea is to have this thing grow organically so, and continue to change. And by having what's news, we go, we'll have like uh, like in this particular right there, it comes loaded with photographs and, and pictures. When I was in China doing The Man with the Iron Fist, the film, you know, I was going to places that none of us may ever set foot on. But, and, I, and I was taking pictures and giving, you know, bringing it back to my, to my, to my people, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Um, also, I plan on interviewing other artists and talking to other people and taking that information and putting it inside this application. So this is going to be a portal, you know, to, to the whole Rizzo world. And, and also, you know, as me and Method Man talking about doing a new album together, you know, I'm going to use this application just to always keep everybody in tune, give you taste, you know, a taste of what we're doing, a taste of where I'm at. Yeah. And what's news is the place for that. And speaking of news, I know... This is the 20th anniversary of Woo, isn't it? It's coming up, yeah. It's coming yeah. up. Yeah. That's cr- that deserves an applause for sure. Yeah. Yeah, next year, we will celebrate the 20th anniversary. Yo, from, from those early days of making music to what you see today, like, what's the biggest difference that you've noticed as a musician? I, it's not too much of a real difference, yo. Oh, yeah? Like they say, um, the game don't change, only the players. Uh-huh. So it's been different people doing it, a different... People, uh, you know, give it a chance. And technology has made it much, much easier. Yeah. I mean, you get yourself a garage band and you can make a whole album, kid, right on your laptop. Right. But um, beyond the growth of technology, it's, music is the same, yo. It's, it's an, expression, an expression of an individual, you know what I mean? Whether, whatever genre he chooses. You know, right. To me, it's all good. And recently, you've been making music or with music with people outside of the woo. Yeah. So you've been doing it with Kanye, Jay-Z, yeah. I think Corinne Bailey Ray too. Yeah, that's, that's different for me. At one point I was really kind of stuck into only making Wu-Tang music and my crew was very concentrated and consolidated within ourselves. Um, as you grow and you mature, yeah. and you also have respect for other artists. You know, I respect Jay-Z, I respect Kanye, I respect Corinne. These are people that I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of their work as well. Mm-hmm. And so to get a chance to come together and collaborate with them, it's all been good for me, good for them, and I think good for music. Yeah. You also recently started talking a lot about this concept of, like, giving the music away. And, it, I mean, it obviously comes from today's sort of, like, download internet world, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, one thing about the music industry and business is we can't forget that it is a business, you yeah. know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, bills got to be paid. Yeah, a lot of us make our living off of that. You know, we make our money because we sell you a product. Now, in the old days, to make a Wu Tang album cost no, no, not the first album, but once we got to Wu Tang Forever, 
It costs a million dollars to make that record. You know uh -huh. what I mean? Yeah. And that's because it costs you about 2000 a day in the studio. Then you got to pay the engineer, the, the sample clearances, and that's all the things that go with it. And then when, when Download came out, yeah. and people started downloading it for free, you don't know that this one song took a lot of money to make, a lot of energy. Right. Of course, nowadays we have laptops and... Your laptop may cost you two grand and a few programs, another, another G, maybe three Gs you can make a song. Um, and maybe the value of it is different. But the time that a musician puts into it also puts another value on it. Yeah. But instead of fighting against the time we're in, whereas we are all reaching, you know, to download the music for free, I accepted it. You know right. what I mean? And um, I'll give music away every Wednesday yeah. on Woo Wednesday. Woo Wednesdays, yeah. Now, Woo Wednesday right there is something you could go to my Facebook page and get. I think in time, you're going to move it from there and probably put it through the application as well. Okay. But right now, it exists on the Facebook. Um, but I would like to say one thing about downloading music. If I could share this with y'all, y'all can take it and throw it in the garbage or keep it. Even when you go buy your, um, your laptop, which is going to cost you a couple of grand, mm -hmm. or you get your, your pads and your pods and you're spending hundreds of dollars on those things it doesn't seem so cool that you will spend money on a device and not spend that one dollar back to the artist who makes your device enjoyable word you know what i mean so it makes sense when you say it like that I mean, yeah you want to drop the 600 bucks kid drop the 99 cent on me too right. man you know what <laughs> yeah I mean? that's just that's just my logic of it but i know we do what we do and we enjoy what we enjoy and and one thing would make me give music away for free for me uh-huh was one, I didn't depend on it as an income. And two, we make music to be heard. So if you don't hear it, it's useless anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's the second thing. Word. Um, all right, let's go to this uh, chess section. Okay. I was actually going to just play you in chess today as the whole thing. You don't want to do that, kid. I know. <laughs> actually, I couldn't even beat this thing. Because like, I, I know you had a hand in programming this thing. So. Yeah, this thing is pretty tough. I think it goes up to at least about 2,000 level, which is master level. Well, chess is definitely one of my favorite games, one of the favorite games of my whole crew. And uh, we, we put a 3D set in as well as a 2D set in here. We got advice happening. You know, you can do all like that. You can zone in on it. You can, you can turn it around. <laughs> it's actually a very fun game. We got, we got dipping boards, dipping backgrounds for it, sound effects. You know, we made it, we upgraded it to be fun. Chess has been a very, sometimes a quiet game, and some people think it's boring. I put some fun into it, yeah. What is it with you and chess? Why? Well, chess is a game that takes a lot of analyzing, analytical skill, yeah. also foresight. And any of us, and living, doing business, work, whatever you're doing, you got to have foresight. You got to be able to be analytical. I became part of something called the hip hop. See? Time is money, man. Time is money kid. There we go. Look. Analyze that, kid. <laughs> now, nah, but chess is good. It's healthy. It's healthy for the brain. It's healthy for how you think. I joined the Hip Hop Chess Federation so we could teach young people that if they would think before they do, you know what I mean? They won't make the same mistakes, like whether it's teenage pregnancy, whether it's crime. Everything happens in a split second. But if you would sit there and think before you make your action, then you can put Time is money, man. Hurry up. Then you might make the right move. <laughs> Let's go. So you think, you think chess has actually helped your personal life and your career? Oh, heck yeah. Heck yeah. Me as a man, me as a father, everything, yo. Wow, okay. Um, and then you could access your Twitter and your Facebook from here, right? 
Yeah, you can access all that and just zone in. What are they talking about today? <laughs> Ooh, Wednesday. Are you a fan of Twitter now? You like it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I like it. You know, only thing that um, I'm a fan of it because the social networking, social media. But what I don't like about it is that sometimes anybody can see something you want to say. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's another reason why my app, the What's News section, it would be more, more um, personal to to to, to my yeah to me and my group of people. Right, right. Everything ain't for everybody. You know, I'm a vegetarian. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I'm not going to eat the porks, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I still got to hang out with some pork eaters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we was hanging out in uh, Seattle the other day. A couple of girls came to hang out, and we ordered two pieces. One had meat and pepperoni on it, and one had the veggie on it. And I, I never, the girl was like, I don't want all that green stuff on my pizza. And she went head over for the... For the for Pepperoni. the for the for the trichinosis. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, hey, baby, enjoy yourself. <laughs> You know what I mean? You know, I'm gonna go a little healthy with it. So this is, I'm saying sometimes you gotta separate things from from each other. You know what I mean? And so some some of my ideas and some things I do, you won't get on Twitter or Facebook. You have to go to my app yeah. and find out the real deal. Right. Well, I know you got a lot of followers and fans on Twitter, and you got a lot of fans over here. So we're gonna open it up to some Q and A now to the audience. So if you guys have any questions, Thank feel you. free. We'll we'll pass the mic to you. Hello. Um, yeah, is it true you when you was younger you once went blind and um, you developed like super hearing? That's what you call. I wouldn't say super hearing, but yeah, I did um, go blind. I had some kind of disease they couldn't figure out, and they shut my eyes and most of my, the front of, front part of my head was the size of a fucking cantaloupe, and I couldn't see for about forty five days. And during that period of time, I lived off my ears. Um, and eventually, I do contribute that to be, to uh, having a better sense of hearing than a, a lot of people that I've come across. So it helped me out. And I'm proud to say I have 20/20 vision right there too. Right, right. right. Uh, are you aware that um, they're doing a digital movement in the prison system nationwide? And are you involved? Are you planning to get involved in it and get your music in there? I'm not aware that they're doing a digital movie. No, movement. They are, are actually approving an uh, MP3 player for the California prison system. Okay. And my company's actually spearheading it. We'd like to get the Woo music involved in it because it's not represented right now. We do a lot of uh, local, cat, like, not local, but like uh, the Jacka, Hustler, you know, okay. Nip, Nipsey Hustle. You know, we deal okay, with him. Okay. Yeah, so I'd li we'd like to get you that information. How do we get it to you? Okay, well, I have a buddy over here, Cameron Mitchell, Patrick Roney, both either one of them brothers can help you out with that. That's a good idea, though, because music comes a savage beast. And sometimes, you know, we've been, you know, I've been inside those walls before. And so I'm glad somebody's doing that. Thanks. Riza, how's it going? I wanted to know if, uh, I'm, I'm really excited that you've started tweeting because I live on Twitter. But I wanted to know if you'd be down to explain your own lyrics to your fans on rapgenius.com if we can get you a verified account because I also live on Rap Genius and a lot of times I'm looking up your lyrics on there trying to get the inner meaning of the, the, the woo, woo uh, jargon. But that'd be my pleasure, actually. You know what I mean? So uh, let's try to make that happen. My man Cameron Mitchell is here as, as well. Maybe you could connect that dot. Um, 
And also, that's something that I probably would do um, also uh, through the application. It's an honor for me to kind of explain what we're saying. Wu-Tang put our lyrics into paraphrases, whereas four lines sometimes could be a whole page, you know what I mean? So you, if you're already ready for me to un unlock that key, shout me out, all right? Um, congratulations on the app. It's fabulous. Um, when you went from the studio to the orchestra, how did you do that? Because, like, did you use Pro Tools or something to do your music beforehand? Or did you, like, did you do the manuscript? How did you do it? Oh, yeah, yes. Well, you do, well, of course, most of it is recorded in Pro Tools um, nowadays. But, yeah, you have to have a copyist come and they write all the music out. And uh, you get an orchestra, you get a conductor. I got a chance to conduct as well. Um, I was fortunate enough to have uh, good people helping me out also, you know. Um, we had a guy named Howard Drossen, who was one of our co-composers, worked on five films with me already. We had an earlier guy, uh, Ramin, who uh, did all the Batman movies, but he started as my partner also. So I had a chance to be around classical trained musicians and I study classical, but I brought also a hip-hop edge to them, and we kind of exchanged knowledge. And so it was a pretty cool transition. What was that, what was that first film that you scored? My first film was uh, Ghost Dog, okay. and then the second one was Kill Bill, and then Blade Trinity, and then Barbershop, and Soul Play. I don't know. I kept going. Yeah. Yo. Fuck it. Check it. Yeah. Nah, nah. <laughs> hey, yo. Start spitting, right? <laughs> so, in your uh, in your book, you you talk about after thirty six chambers, um, basically kind of like locking yourself in a in a basement and just kind of banging out the like five of potentially the greatest hip hop albums of all time with the individual members. Can you talk a little bit about the um, creative process um, and, and and like what kind of drove you to just create those albums? Well, dedication, determination, tenacity, these type of things. You know, I wasn't interested in what was going on outside. There's a lyric, Vaquan says, he says, with the boots that paved the way. He was talking about these Timberlands that I wore for four years straight. I didn't buy clothes. I kept myself looking disfigured as far as my physical appearance was always as ugly. You know what I mean? I just stayed in that basement. At the time, I wasn't a vegetarian. But I was, I was a turkey burger man. And we would eat 10 turkey burgers a day, play chess, make music. And I put everything aside. Now, the, the good thing about it is, of course, is what I'm able to leave behind. A sad thing about it, though, that I could, I'll share with you, is that it was, it was a big strain on my family, actually. You know what I mean? Because I put my work before anything. And sometimes in life we do that, you know. You look at, once again, I go back to Steve Jobs. He passed away at a very young age. But he left behind something that's going to potentially go on for eternity, you know what I mean? And that's because you sacrifice yourself. Fortunately for me, it wasn't my whole life sacrifice, you know what I mean? But it was a period of time that I turned around and I had a four-year-old daughter sitting right there. They remember her from one, you know what I mean? Because the time we put in. But, uh... I think that sacrifice has helped a lot of other people, so that's where is it at. All right, we got time for uh, one more question. Oh, I already got the mic. <laughs> uh, Rizza, when 
can you remember one milestone moment when you realized that rap wasn't just a pastime for you, but more so of a profession? Is, a, is there one like standout moment in your life you realize like I need to grind on this and I need to make this sh- stuff happen? It was two moments for me. One, um, I'm a little older than everybody in the audience, most likely. So when I first heard on the radio a song called Rapper's Delight, I knew for a fact I could do it. I knew I could make a record. Of course, that's when it was a dream. But when I had a chance at the age of 18 to sign a Tommy Boy and be thrown to the wrong direction, and then I met a lawyer at that time named Bill Warren, and I became friends with him. And I realized that, you know what? The best way to do something is to do it yourself. Do your own destiny. And so I had it, took my last bit of money I saved up for the corporation, and I put everything I had into it. And I was like, I'm not going to do nothing negative. I'm going to do positivity. And that led to Wu-Tang production. And that led on to the music that you hear. And that passion of expressing myself in a positive way burns to this day. No matter what you see me doing, it's me choosing the positive route and staying as far away as I can for that negative route, yo. Perfect. Thank you so much. All right. That's it for us. So everyone check out that Rizzo World app on the iPad, and uh, I think we're good.